You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Monday, March the 1st. And how about a little bit of Andre Drummond talk? This is your boy Matt Shook, the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life just like you guys, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get 20% off your next order. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word about the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Today, the Pistons recapping the weekend here on the podcast. Brother Brian's got the details from Sacramento and the New York Knicks on Sunday night. A tough weekend on the standings for Pistons, although Pistons fans probably looking forward to those losses these days. After that, we're going to have a little roundtable discussion with Evan Damerel of Lockdown Cavs and also Nick Angstead of Locked on Mavs, as those guys had me on. I was on with those three on a roundtable discussion about Andre Drummond, the past, the present, and the future of one of the a good former Piston. It wasn't an Andre Drummond dump fest like I was uh, hoping it uh, wasn't, and it wasn't, so that was good. And it was a little bit long. It was like an entire episode, so what did I do? I cut out the parts with me in it. So I'm basically not in the discussion. It's those two. You guys have heard me talk about Andre Drummond plenty in the past. But do check out Lockdown Mavs for the extended version of this roundtable and uh, hear all my thoughts and my waxing poetic about Andre Drummond there. But we'll play kind of a, a shortened, abridged version of that here on the show. All sorts of trade talk tomorrow, and uh, we might have some more time this week to talk Pistons and do a little filler than maybe we had envisioned. That's why we went with this uh, Andre Drummond segment for today's show. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, Another underscore after that, also the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Lockdown Pistons Dash Matt Shook. Give Brother Brian, show contributor extraordinaire, a follow at bshook12. And also check out the Locked On, or I'm sorry, the Play Michigan Twitter account, play underscore Michigan. A couple of quick notes to pass along. The Bulls Raptors game was was postponed on Sunday because of the Raptors. Have, don't have the league-required eight available players to proceed. And also, I already had the coaching staff out there playing down in Tampa this year. The Pistons are scheduled to play in Tampa on Tuesday night. No word as I tape this on late Sunday about whether that game will proceed or not. So we're up in the air about that, and then the Pistons will play Thursday in New York for a rematch against the Knicks, and that's going to be it for one week as the All-Star break will be happening after that. One more note from the weekend that you probably saw if you're an online Pistons fan, but uh, and we'll get into this a lot more tomorrow as we're going to have some trade discussions. But Spencer Dinwiddie, the Pistons have been tied to former Piston Spencer Dinwiddie in a story that originated from Ian Begley of SNY.TV talking about how they are among the teams who have had interest in acquiring Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets. Spencer tore his ACL this season and uh, 
could be out for the rest of the year, although Steve Nash and there was some optimism that Spencer might be back. He has a player option going into next season and would be a free agent the season after that or this season if he declines the player agent player option this offseason. So a lot to discuss about Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, a possible reunion with his former team, the Detroit Pistons, and we're going to get into that full throttle on Tuesday's show. But first, Brother Brian's got the details from a pair of losses over the weekend at Little Caesars Arena. This is your Pistons game recap. Give back to Randall. Shot clock's inside Tim, but he's got time. Pistons chase him to the sideline. Nice touch inside. Derrick Rose to Noel for a dunk. The Pistons fall to 9-25 on the season after dropping two games over the weekend at Little Caesars Arena and are now on a three-game losing streak. On Friday night, the Pistons got behind early to the Kings but fought back to make a game of it before eventually falling 110-107 to to Sacramento. The Pistons were once again led by Jeremy Grant, who scored 30 points and also contributed seven rebounds for Detroit. Fellow starters Sadiq Bay and Dennis Smith Jr. each had 17, Bay adding six rebounds and Smith Jr. six assists on the evening. Off the bench, Josh Jackson scored 14 points to score in double digits in 13 of his last 14 games for Detroit. Isaiah Stewart also had 6 off the bench and a team-leading 11 rebounds. The Sacramento Kings snapped a 9-game losing streak and got double digits from all 5 of their starters led by De'Aaron Fox's 27 and Harrison Barnes' 21. Rashawn Holmes got a double-double scoring 19 points and grabbing 17 rebounds for Sacramento. Sunday night wasn't any better at the pizza oven as the Knicks use great defense and good shooting to beat the Pistons 109-90 in a 19-point drubbing that saw former Detroit Piston Derrick Rose come back and score 14 points against his old team. The Knicks were led by all-star forward Julius Randle's 25 points while he also contributed 8 rebounds and 6 assists. He was joined by fellow starter RJ Barrett with the 20-point mark as RJ tossed in 21. The Pistons were led by Jeremy Grant's 21 points and 8 rebounds although he did leave the game late with an apparent lower body injury that Coach Casey said after the game shouldn't be a big deal. Fellow starter Sadiq Bey scored 10 and off the bench Wayne Ellington got back to his hot shooting ways and scored 15 on 4 of 6 shooting from deep and Josh Jackson once again got double digits with 12 points. The Pistons were unable to cover the bet online spread in either game and the under came in both games and has now been a safe bet in 8 of the last 10 Pistons matches. The Pistons will be back in action on Tuesday night in Tampa, taking on the Toronto Raptors in the penultimate game for the Pistons' first half. That game will tip off at 7.30 on Fox Sports Detroit Plus and WWJ 9.50 AM. This has been your Pistons Game Recap. Little bit of separation right now with the Detroit Pistons and Minnesota Timberwolves from the pack in the rest of the NBA. The Timberwolves in the last place position in the NBA with a couple of losses themselves. Now two and a half games clear of the Pistons. They are 7-28, Pistons 9-25. The Pistons are then three games below the the Houston Rockets, who are third worst in the NBA right now. Before you get to the teams tied, the Orlando Magic and Cleveland Cavaliers, four games clear of the Detroit Pistons. So a little bit of a two-man race right now between the Pistons and the Timberwolves, although the Timberwolves would argue that the two-and-a-half game cushion gives them a nice little cushion for the bottom of the NBA 
right now as the all-star break approaches. But up next, some Andre Drummond talk with the Locked On Cavs and Locked On Mavs host. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast. But first, if people keep telling you to try meditation, you're like, when? When would I have time? You should check out Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. It's been a tough year for all of us, and meditation's been something that's been helping me get through it. And Headspace is out there backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash NBA. That's headspace.com slash NBA For a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go to headspace.com slash NBA today. It's Bang the Over Brother Brian, and you know what I'm here to talk to you about. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yes, sir! We're covering everything you need to know about the Pistons, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever. You get your podcast. Was asked by Nick Angstead of Lockdown Mavs and also Evan Damerel of Lockdown Cavs. Some good dudes. You should check out their podcasts as well about those teams if you have interest leading up to the March 25th trade deadline. But they wanted to know what the deal is with Andre Drummond. And I opined on some topics concerning Old Dre as well. And you should check that out. I believe the Lockdown Mavs podcast is going to play the whole roundtable in its entirety. But here's a little bit of an abridged version for you guys here on Lockdown Pistons. Enjoy. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator for the Lockdown Podcast Network. And I am joined by host of Lockdown Cavs, Evan Damerel. This is... The Andre Drummond Show. I, I finally caved. I took to the Twitter pressure, and we needed to have just a discussion with two guys that have watched this guy play a lot. And so I wanted to get an actual opinion of people that have watched. So we're going to go over what is he as a player? What are the positives? What are the negatives? What happened in the situation in Cleveland? And then back a while ago in Detroit, what happened with that? And then what would an actual deal be for Andre Drummond? Because, and the reason why we're doing this, I know some listeners are probably like, you guys talk about Andre Drummond so much. It's because it always is mentioned to us, every single mailbag we ever have, probably for the last two years, Andre Drummond's name has come up in some way. 
And the Mavericks do have a center problem. They have Willie Cauley-Stein, and they have Dwight Powell, and they have Boban, and there's some problems with that, obviously. We've talked about it's, it's soft. They don't have a really good rim protector right now. Porzingis' defense has been poor. And so if he's going to play bad defense, then they need somebody. The Mavericks' rebounding has been a problem for a while. Last season, they were a good rebounding team. But when they go up against a, a Gobert or an Anthony Davis or a, an Embiid, they really struggle in the paint. And so let's talk about Andre Drummond and what he is as a player. Evan, the other thing that stands yeah. out to me is his, his shooting around the rim. Like, he's... Shooting 48.4% on two-point shots this this season in Cleveland. Like, what is up with his touch around the rim? There's an incredible, incredible Reddit video on, uh, on Reddit NBA of Andre Drummond is the worst offensive player in the NBA. And just all these clips of him just, just trying to score, like like Matt said, be the be the distributor and trying to, you know, create his own ba- you know shots around the basket. What is up with Andre Drummond's touch around the rim? It's kind of non-existent, and it's something Chris, well, when he was first traded to Cleveland, you just look at him like, oh, he's putting up elite, greatest of all time rebounding numbers, like truly gaudy stats. I mean, for his career, he's averaging 13.8 boards per game in this season for Cleveland in the 25 games he played. He averaged 13.5 boards. Yeah, it's a lot, but there's a direct correlation between those rebounding numbers and the fact that he's such a poor finisher at the rim because more often than not, Cleveland's offense was very slow and rudimentary whenever Andre played, and they would just get the ball to him in the low post. He would try and post up whoever his opposition was, try and bank them out down low, and then try and finish at the rim, miss, rebound, try and finish at the rim again. We call those rebounds Drummonds in Detroit, by the way. (laughs) Those Those rebounds are called Drummonds. So you'd see that most possessions, and then it became even more clear how detrimental he was offensively, at least. And I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not trying to lowball him completely because I think Andre Drummond's a fine player. I just think he's overpaid for what he's his production and true value is. But when Jared Allen came to Cleveland, it was a night and day difference because Jared Allen's like one of the most elite finishers in the league. I think he's at the he's at 70% of his attempts at the rim or like those are completions. Like that's absurd to think it's about, good. but it's, it's almost very as good as good. Luca last year. Yeah, there you go. And which is, um which is insane. It is. But um <laughs> no, I like like Matt was saying like if Andre was put in a system where maybe he's a little bit more held accountable and he's not asked to do too much cuz I think that's a good case of what it was in Cleveland too. There's a lot of expectations for him to be an all-star caliber player again and kind of carry the load alongside Kevin Love. And then when Kevin Love was sidelined again, surprise, surprise with injury, like he has to shoulder an even bigger load while he has to wait for a bunch of young guards to develop and learn how to act as primary initiators. And sure, Darius Garland shows flashes of that, but it's just a lot of the weight of the offense leaned on Andre Drummond. And then when the Cavs pulled him, they kind of had to do scoring by committee. So it was all five players involved instead of just leaning on an all-star caliber player. It's interesting to see like the disconnect, right? That that he like Matt was saying, he should be this player and he should try to fit into this role. And this is he would be incredible. It's kind of like the Dwight Howard thing, right? If he would only just be this role, if he would just be the rolling rim protector type guy that Dwight Howard's kind of become, he would be great. But he was doing yeah. all the post ups and all that kind of stuff. It's just the the disconnect of a, a center that wants to be a star player. All right, gentlemen, let's get into some more about Andre Drummond. I want to talk about the defense. We talked about his pick-and-roll numbers, his touch around the rim, his defense. Evan, have you seen some of the defending in space stuff that Matt was talking about, the the rim protection? Like, you know, you, Cavs have had, you know, Larry Nance is like such an important player because of the way Andre Drummond, you know, defends. But have you seen similar things in Cleveland the last year and a half, I guess? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think 
early into this season, JB Vickerstaff did have the pulse of Andre Drummond for a little bit. And I do think the Jared Allen trade was what made things fall apart in such spectacular. In what way fashion. do you mean has the pulse? Like he he had his ear and he was like had his this. ear and had his attention and his respect. Yeah. I think a little bit of it being a contract year was weighing on Drummond too. Like mm-hmm. I need to go out and perform and make sure I play my best in order to make pay bank next whether it's with cleveland or with some other team but that's always just been the coaching challenge with drummond like clearly he was not bought into bayline the moment he came to cleveland and then we only had 10 or so games with jv bickerstaff and andre drummond working together in tandem so um early in the season like the Cavs had a top five defense for a little bit and then things just kind of fell apart when injuries happened larry nance jr obviously like you said is a big part of that and played a huge part just in general for cleveland's defense because he's kind of a jack of all trades master of none player for both ends of the floor but Andre, weirdly enough, wasn't the best rim protector. He was serviceable, which is kind of what you're hoping for because historically he's not like an elite rim defender. Like it's really hard like to pull those numbers unless it's a Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is just a specimen. But Drummond had active hands too, which was the interesting thing with him in Cleveland because if you combine him and Larry Nance, they both were creating havoc on defense where they were just swat trying to deflect passes or try and get the ball protect the rim at some point or some capacity and just work on the perimeter as well as like those two in tandem somehow worked. And then Jared Allen gets traded here. And I think Dre was kind of playing over, like looking over his shoulder a little bit, just kind of thinking like, okay, this guy's my replacement. Kobe Altman called him the future center for the Cavs. Like it was like a backup quarterback thing where you're like, ah, yeah. oh, dang, they just drafted this guy or take well, acquired this guy. And- the first game against I think it was against the Knicks when Jared Allen was in Cleveland. I called it the Joe Montana effect, a little tongue in cheek, just because, you know, he had Steve Young breathing down his neck off the bench. But like Drummond had his best game as a Cavalier. I think he had 27 points, 21 rebounds, a handful of blocks, a couple steals. Like this was, I'm like, because my co host Chris Manning and I, we hop on. I say, yeah, this is, this is what the Andre Drummond should be. This is what his apex should be as a player. But it's just so inconsistent. You can't get that on a night to night basis because. Drummond is just a bit of a wild card too, because I wrote about this for Forbes a while back where I said, he kind of tried to pick up some of the habits of Brooke Lopez almost nine years into his career, where he wants to be a bit of a tertiary playmaker and he wants to be a three point shooter. And he wants to kind of be a competent drop defensive player. And I'm like, yeah, imitations are sincere. It's the sincerest form of flattery is imitation. And it's also, you know, a bit of a mockery of what Brooke Lopez has tried to do. And it's just like a little bit of too little too late. Cause yeah, like Matt said, he's just so inconsistent at times that, you get those good games like that. And then you get just a handful of stinkers as well. You're like, I wish you could pull the hook on them. And then yeah, trading for Jared Allen just kind of made it more glaringly obvious and cast fans who were frustrated became irate whenever they had to see Drummond play and Allen coming off the bench. I scoured a lot of Reddit threads from Pistons fans and Cavs fans. I just wanted to see like, cause whenever you, you listen to fans that their biggest complaint is usually, something that that player really, really needs to work on. And they have complaints that you won't normally see. Like, and that's why listening to like lockdown pods is great because we watch every single game and we know the difference between the stats and the actual eye test. Cause we have both mm-hmm. of those. Have you seen yeah. any of that physicality kind of stuff The not setting screen specifically? He doesn't set good screens. That was a thing that I saw a lot from fans. Evan, have you seen any of that in Cleveland? Yeah, he does not want to be a pick-and-roll, rim-rolling big man at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's so frustrating. As a young young player, there was a little bit of that with Reggie Jackson, but it it went away after 2016. And and Matt's point earlier, and this is usually Mavs fans' argument, is he – he hasn't had a good guard to play with. So maybe playing with Luca playing in, yeah. in that kind of system would yeah. that would bring some of that out in him. But it's kind of concerning Evan that we haven't seen that in his career so far. Well, 
to Matt's point, the Cavs really don't have a good guard either. I mean, Darius Garland has shown potential, and that's the buzzword of locked on Cavs when talking about Darius Garland <laughs> is he shows a lot of potential, but we're waiting for him to capitalize. And like last night against Philadelphia, he had a good game, but I need to see more of that to really believe in it. But like Colin Sexton can't move the rock at all. Matthew Dellavedova at times is the best point guard on the roster, and he's concussed currently. Dante Exum was too, but now he's a Houston Rocket and injured. Can, so can we go back? And, the second name you brought up was Matthew Dellavedova. Like, yeah, um, we might have just, to do. We might have to do like some. Can can Tegna like provide therapy for some? Nick, of our there, hosts, there's like, been some lean te- times out there for some of these teams throughout the NBA. Not all of us can just uh, go from yeah, Dirk Nowitzki hey, to Luka Doncic. We, I, well, it's true we did go from Dirk, but we, there are some times from from the Mavs the last couple of years too. Before the, that. I don't know, I don't buy it. <laughs> the Cavs almost had Luka, but then LeBron threw a game against the Nets. That's the conspiracy in Cleveland that Ooh, because the Cavs wouldn't trade the Brooklyn pick. That was the, he threw a game against the Nets, and that was the difference between Colin Sexton and Luka. So I, we, I sometimes I lose sleep thinking about that, but this is <laughs> you aren't my therapist. I pay him too much money to talk about these things. But yeah, he just to Matt's point, he's not a bad player. I'm not saying Andre Drummond's a bad player. Do I think he's worth the 28? ish almost 29 million he's making absolutely not especially for what he brings to the table but i think if you put him in a system like dallas's where there's a clear established pecking order of luca's the number one player i doubt you get porzingis for drummond if it's a trade at all because porzingis has way more value than drummond even though people have kind of soured on him lately like let's say it's porzingis is your two and then drummond is your three or four just depending on who else is on any given night and then you have an established coach like Lick, like rick carlisle who can maximize all of his players, Drummond included. Like I, I say, Nick Nurse is another good coach for this. Like if he ends up in Toronto, because Toronto yeah. for some reason really likes Andre Drummond. Like Nick Nurse could maximize the talents of Andre Drummond too. Like if you put a good coach in place with an established pecking order of players, I think you're going to get a, a body who can bang at times. He may be adverse to it because like you're mentioning Joel Embiid, he's six and one. He's one and six against Joel Embiid all time. He's three and ten against Rudy Gobert all time. But to Matt's credit, he's eight and one against Carl Anthony Towns. So there's a little bit of a mixed bag against some of the elite big men in the league. But I I don't know. We'll discuss trades soon. But I think Drad Dallas would be a good t- destination for him. I think like teams like Toronto teams that are actually playing meaningful basketball and maybe aren't going to ask too much of him. will be able to do a lot with him because he is a physical specimen. And I think if you get an engaged Andre Drummond, like you did at the beginning of this year, he's not a complete misstep defensively because he has active hands and he can provide serviceable rim protection. Like it's a little bit of everything. And it's a huge upgrade over what Dallas has right now at the five two. Got to tell you guys about Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious than the OGs, if you can believe that. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those are the new flavors. Add those to the originals. Flavors such as peanut butter, peanut butter brownie. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Shouts out to Juman for getting the peanut butter box, I believe, and I know he's going to be a happy customer as well. Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy. You lose or maintain the weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. These are great for the keto diet as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley. 
Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. More Andre Drummond talk with myself, Nick, and Evan. All right, guys, let's get into some more about Andre Drummond. Let's, I'm just going to give each of you a moment to talk about some positives. Like the, the rebounding numbers, He's you know, Matt, you've mentioned before that he's a good passer. That's something that I've seen in, in, in Drummond's career, that he can be a guy that will create a, a, you know, a, a play for somebody else, which I thought has been great for him. His free throws have greatly improved. That was such a huge thing at the beginning of his career. His first five years in the league, he shot 38% from, from the free throw line. Last four years, 59.2%, which, you know, 60% from the free throw line is not great, but comparing to that 40% that first five years. And then health, he's always been a, a real healthy player. The Mavericks need guys that are available. Porzingis is a guy that they can't necessarily rely on that from. What are some some positives either through all those things that I mentioned or others that I didn't include? Let's actually address the rebounding. So is the rebounding mm-hmm. all that it's cracked up to be? Is it is it as big of a positive for the Cavs or some of his stat padding or... How well, so, a little that? bit of stat padding, of course, because like Matt said, they're called Drummonds. I think that's a great nickname. I wish we knew about that because that'd be a good way to categorize it. But um, even when the Cavs did bench him, I did bring up to my co-host Chris Manning. I'm like, it's going to be really hard for a team like Cleveland to replicate and replace nearly 18 points and 14 boards a night on a night-to-night basis. Yes, Andre Drummond at times is frustrating to watch, but he still produced. Uh, granted, he took a ton of shot attempts sometimes. Like he, His usage percentage, I believe, was 30.2% towards <laughs> the end in Cleveland, which is absurd for a five. But um, the Cavs really leaned on him, and he produced at times. And like I said, at the beginning of the season, we got a really good sample size of what a good Andre Drummond, a locked-in Andre Drummond is. And I think he's a fine player. I just think he's just overpaid. That's all it is. I think if like we talked talked about this before if he was making 10 15 million i think he'd be a lot more desirable on the trade market right now if he wasn't playing for cleveland i think a lot more teams be lining up for him and um just some of the positives like the rebounding yes some of it's off his misses and some of it's his missteps but also he is a good rebounder he has good presence he tries to work a little bit that playmaking that let passes maybe learning from kevin love a little bit did it work most of the time no but it did at times maybe it's more so of cleveland's personnel if you put a better team around him they'd look better but off the court by all accounts from everything i've heard about andre his teammates love him to death i think he's a good locker room guy the coaching staff said he's one of the best players they've ever worked with it just didn't work out and they just wanted to prioritize the future that's why he was benched they just went with jared allen and they said well they talked about it and andre and his camp said listen i just would rather not come off the bench and the Cavs respected that and told him to go home and said they'll figure out a trade like i think they handled it maturely i think andre did everything that was asked of him and then some jb vickerstaff said it was the hardest decision of his coaching career to bench a player like that because he's a beloved player and i think that's a good thing when you have a player who thinks he might be a superstar player he's getting paid like that but also isn't a locker room problem. I think that's really beneficial, especially when things kind of go to the wayside, especially if your team is bad as Cleveland, like Kevin Love gets paid a lot of money. He officially told the general manager, go ahead and find me. You pay me enough to begin with. You never had a problem like that with Andre Drummond, even when things are at their absolute worst. I just think that Rick, Car- I think Rick Carlisle, he's a, he's kind of a, a surly type guy, especially with centers. Uh, we've seen Nerlens Noel, DeAndre Jordan, guys like that come through that just didn't want to fit into their role and would do things out of their role, and then it would just make Carlisle mad, and he'd just pull them immediately. And- yeah, just just to kind of yeah. uh, build on what I was saying, the fun guy gets around with his peers, but but as far as Stan Van Gundy, who you know is a Carlisle yeah. type, there 
there was yeah. there was friction between coach and player with some of the immaturity, some of the dumb fouls, some of the Dwayne Casey called it uh, sashaying down the court when he'd just take a rebound and <laughs> dribble it down himself when the results were probably going to be bad. So yeah, th- there's a little bit of headbutting between player and coach though. Yeah, we never saw that in Cleveland. In fact, JB Bickerstaff encouraged it at times because he's such a player's coach. So that's he, it. He that's something the we never hear. <laughs> he well, I, I asked him straight up. I said, "Do you feel comfortable with Andre just kind of taking the board and then going down the court and trying to initiate the offense?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm okay with my players doing that." And I'm like, Oof. "All right, well, that's a pretty definitive yes or no." So I, I won't ask further. But um, those are the kind of things that I imagine that if the Mavericks did acquire him, that Mavs fans would be like, "No." No, please stop. Don't do not do well, that. They've got people that need the ball in their hands to initiate yeah, offense yeah. as opposed to the Pistons back then. That's, just, that's the same for Cleveland. You have to think of this way for Mass fans, too. Um, I know Detroit did make the playoffs with Andre. He was a two time monster there. He came to a bad Cavs team and he's leaving a bad Cavs team. If he goes to a good Dallas team, like I said, with an established pecking order, I don't think you're going to run into as many of those problems, especially because I think this experience may humble Andre a bit and he needs to be realistic and realize I am in a contract year. I need to try and maximize as much as I can. So I don't think you're going to get much of this freelancing because you saw it at times with the Cavs, but this year he really just pushed most of that, like, initiating the offense or shooting threes like he attempted i'm looking at it now he attempted 0.3 three pointers per game which is a lot better than almost the nearly two a game he attempted last year with cleveland so he cut out a lot of the bull crap that came that makes fans frustrated with him and i think in dallas that would be non-existent and that's some of the risk right you take some of the risk in you know this is a situation he's we've never seen andre drummond in right with a team that has a superstar top five player Mm -hmm. and is expected to win and has a hierarchy and so it's just really interesting the risk that and we, motivated and needs to prove himself to earn yeah. a contract. It's been a long time. But what does what does motivated Andre Drummond mean? Does that mean he's trying to get some of these stats and throwing up threes? And it, apparently that's not the the case in Cleveland. But it's inter- it'd be interesting to see that. Evan, what would you think it would? What do you think it would take to get Andre Drummond? This has always been the other thing Mavs fans have said was, well, it wouldn't take that much. Like James Johnson and Dwight Powell send them to Cleveland for Andre Drummond, and oh. you know, in a vacuum, yeah, that would. That would be a great deal for the Mavs, I think. But I think that'd be a fair deal for the Ma- for the Cavs as well. If you just threw in a second round pick, I, I think the, the around the league at least the expectation for Drummond is he isn't going to go for much because he's making nearly twenty nine million, and that's just hard to find contracts for teams that need a five that just make that work. And like James Johnson, do you say James Johnson and Dwight Powell? Yeah. Yeah, those two in a in a if you throw in a second round pick, I think the Cavs would agree to that. I think Dwight Powell would be. Uh, I mean, he's making 11 million this year. I don't know what his full contract looks like. I think that's serviceable because you can kind of slot him in as maybe like your backup five behind Jared Allen. I know knock on wood, Allen's had good health, but it's always good to have emergency depth as well, especially with how banged up the Cavs can get. But really, I think Cleveland's just looking or hoping to get some type of draft compensation out of this. I don't think it's going to be like a major trade because I look at it this way. I know Pistons fans were able to dust off their Brandon Knight jerseys, but they got Brandon Knight and John Henson, two (laughs) players not in Cleveland's rotation. And they gave us legends yeah, in Detroit. There you go. And then they gave a second round pick via Golden State to take a swing at an all star caliber player in Drummond, and it didn't work. So the Cavs are essentially gave up nothing for Drummond. They're going to probably get back not much for Drummond, but I think just a second round pick and maybe those two players, and I'd be okay with that. And if my cohort Chris Manning was on here, I think he'd be hitting yes as fast as he could because. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I realistically don't think Drummond's going to get traded, though. I think the deadline will come and pass, and the Cavs will just do right by him and his agent and buy him out and allow him to sign with any contender he wants because just it's the money that makes things so complicated in trading him because either teams have to gut their rosters or the Cavs may not get a favorable trade back or I don't know. It's just it's hard. Big thanks to Nick and Evan for chopping it up about Andre Drummond. Check out the full roundtable on Lockdown Mavs as well. Give them a subscribe, a rate, and review, as I know you've already done that for Locked On Pistons, but you might as well spread the wealth across the Locked On landscape as well. Trade talk tomorrow, a couple of games before the All-Star break, all sorts of stuff to talk about. Got some content planned for the All-Star break and the week off, but if you got something else that you want to see, some uh, questions for a mailbag, something like that, let me know a topic that we haven't really touched on or maybe something we should be updating let us know. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that, or through email, Matt underscore Shook, and that's at Yahoo.com. That's right, still rocking the Yahoo. But that wraps up this edition of Locked on Pistons. I'm your host, Matt Shook. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.